0: first of the ChemCycle Lights podcasts. I am Hester Wells and I'm on my own this week so I'll be doing a shorter podcast on the history and use of contraflow cycling in Cambridge. Contraflow cycling is the more technical term for two-way cycling in one-way streets which is a bit of a mouthful. That is, streets that are one-way for motor vehicles but can be cycled in both directions. We have quite a lot of these in Cambridge and there are still aims to convert most of the remaining one-way streets to two-way for cycling. Why would you want to do this? Well, it opens up more options for cycling, enabling more direct journeys, and especially journeys which avoid busy main roads. It means people who live on one-way streets can start the journey from their front door in either direction. It makes cycling more convenient than driving for short journeys. In the context of road changes, it's a cheap way to make cycling easier. Cambridge is a loss of one-way streets because many of the central roads are narrow. Not only in the medieval city centre, but also in terraces of Victorian and early 20th century housing, which were designed pre-motor vehicle. In these streets, there may be no room for two vehicles to pass each other, but there is space for motor vehicles and people cycling to pass. One of the earliest contraflow cycle lanes in the country was created in Downing Street in Cambridge in the early 1980s. Downing Street contains the new museum site and the Downing site, which between them house a large number of Cambridge University departments. The volume of cycling here is particularly high as students and employees head to study or work in the mornings. This lane is a simple solid white line, also known as a mandatory cycle lane. By the way, a mandatory cycle lane means that the vehicles are not allowed to drive in it, not that people cycling are required to stay in it. The contraflow cycle lane enables cycling from all directions to these sites easily. For these early implementations, a contraflow cycle lane always required an island at the entrance to the street. The section that was one way for motor vehicles was signed with a no entry sign, and the other side of the island was a cycle only route. This was intended to provide clarity, but did have some drawbacks. The island itself was a hazard, and often the space left for cycles was only wide enough for a standard bicycle, not a tricycle or cargo bike. Sometimes this bypass would be blocked by parking. Any road that didn't have enough space for an island at the entrance therefore couldn't have a contraflow cycling lane, even if there might otherwise have been a good reason to have one on the street. The council then started to experiment with different ways to create contraflow cycling within permitted department for transport, or DFT, rules. What was really needed was a sign which said, no entry except cycles, but this was not official signage. While cycling is treated as a minor mode of travel in the country, it means that even areas which want to promote cycling often have a limited toolkit in the terms of the standard road markings and signage. There are very good reasons why signage in one place in the country should be easily recognised and understood by people from another part of the country, but it does make change slow. So Cambridge started to use the no motor vehicle sign, also known informally as low-flying motorbikes, the sign which is a motorbike above a car in a red circle. However, it was never really intended for contraflow cycling, The sign is often used in conjunction with an except-for-access plate, or in places where motor vehicles aren't allowed at all. It did the job in a technical sense, but was not really well understood. It was a relatively less well-known sign than no entry, and it didn't mention cycling at all. People did not realise that it deliberately allowed cycling, and as such, people sometimes behaved aggressively towards people cycling that they perceived to be breaking the law. In other places, drivers did not realise the meaning of the sign and drove the wrong way down the streets. In Cambridge today, you can still find this sign in some places, for example at the corner of King Street and Hobson Street. So for a long time, various organisations around the country, including Cambridge Cycling Campaign, lobbied to allow the No Entry Except Cycles signage. Rumour had it that there was a particular civil servant at the DFT who was blocking it. Some authorities started to use the signage anyway, such as in London, Bath and Worthing. But without approval from the DFT, they were doing so at risk and could be unable to enforce rules against people who ignored it. It wasn't until 2010 that Cambridge was selected as one location permitted to trial no entry except cycle signage. Other locations for the trial included Brighton and Kensington and Chelsea. Following the trial, the DFT adopted it as permitted signage countrywide. Since then, many more one-way streets in Cambridge are now two-way for cycling, as the signage makes it straightforward to introduce. More people are able to cycle easily and directly around Cambridge as a result of this signage. This is just one of the changes that has been made to the city to enable more people to choose cycling for everyday trips. If you enjoyed this podcast let us know and we can talk about other features in the future. This is a podcast from Cambridge Cycling Campaign, a charity to enable more, better and safer cycling in and around Cambridge, UK. Thanks for listening.